Okay, it's time for the sermon part two. <laughs> the stories that you heard really are about everything this book holds true. Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation is all about the redemption of humanity. And isn't it great that we know how the story ends? And for those in Christ, it is a glorious ending. And for those not in Christ, it's something that uh, I know I would not want to face. It's really important. In fact, you can take God's word, turn to Matthew 21. We've been in a series in the book, well, a series in parables of Jesus. And um, it's important for us to know the Bible. When you talk to people, when you look at our culture, there's so much information today based on opinion and emotion. And that becomes their truth. The mantra is, I think it, therefore it is, or I feel it, therefore it is. And that's the rule of the day. You know, I was reading and listening to what's been going on in Israel with the bombings and attacks and now the declared war. And, you know, emotions and opinions are running high. One side blames the other. They both play victim. And people who are a thousand miles away bring in their own truth. But the real truth is found here. Both thinking, therefore I am, and feeling, therefore I am, puts us in the place of God. And that's not a good place to be. Biblically, we know, according to Ecclesiastes, it's nothing new under the sun. But in our culture, it's escalated to where there's a deliberate effort to rid culture of God's truth, and in its place, we become God. I mean, think about this. We get to choose our gender today. When God created us in his image... Think about we get to choose life and death over child because we say that's our choice. We think we are all going to end the world's evils. And we forget that only God has the power to transform the human heart. And that's where it starts. When we accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now the setting of this parable is the triumphal entry. We often call that Palm Sunday. And Jesus is filling prophecies in the Old Testament. Messiah coming to Jerusalem, riding on a colt. And this day, he's respected. But also, he reminds them that with this respect comes prophecies of rejection. The very next day, Jesus returns and enters the synagogue, and he's angry. There's money changers. There's business people in the lobby, in a place of worship. And what they're doing is they're sell them, selling animals for sacrifice. When people came back in that day before Christ, they would have to sac sacrifice an animal for their sins. I mean, think about that. You know, how many animals do we have to sacrifice? Because, I mean, it just would go on and on. So what they did was they set up a business. And Jesus said, you're a den of thieves. They said, we're entrepreneurs. But here's what would happen. Someone would buy a double in the street for a few cents, and they would bring it to the religious leaders in the lobby, and they would say, oh, this dove, it has an imperfection. You can't use this. But over here's one. You can buy one of ours. They're certified. And, of course, the certified ones would cost a whole lot more than the ones in the street. But this is truth according to Jesus. He said the leaders are ripping the people off. And of course, this would hurt those who had the least. And Jesus was upset, and he trashes the place. 
I have to think about that today because I think today if Jesus was your pastor and he did that, we probably would condemn such behavior. It's not fitting for a pastor to get angry and start tossing things and yelling at people. But there's another day then he goes to another synagogue and they start questioning Jesus' authority. What they really meant was they were questioning his power. What right do you have to say the things and do the things that you do? And of course, Jesus in his same fashion says, well, let me ask you a question. Look at it, Matthew 21. Jesus answered and said, I will also ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you about what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why didn't you believe him? And if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered to Jesus, we don't know. How convenient. And he said to them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. <laughs> oh, I look at the strategy of Jesus sometimes, and it just makes me laugh. So it comes to this text. That's the precursor. That's the setting. Matthew 21, verses 33 to 46. You can follow with me. He says, here another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased to its tenants and went into another country. And when the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son into them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw their son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes what will he do to those tenants? He's asking the Pharisees this question. And they said to him, he'll put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give them the fruits of their seasons. And Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people producing its fruits. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and the one who fa it falls on anyone, it will crush him. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they held him to be a prophet. This is God's word. going to ask for a little grace this morning. And by the way, in case I forget, the people that were baptized are down here in the front bench, and we want you to come and greet them and just celebrate with them following the service. But there's a few things I'd like to say this morning in direct relation to this parable. And the first is, you know, did you notice they knew that he was talking about them? He was confronting their attitudes and their sin, and they refused to listen to the truth. And why? Because they were angry. They were angry at the perceived sins of Jesus. I mean, yes, he did violate the law. He healed over and over again on the Sabbath. Yes, he went to a country they weren't supposed to go to called Samaritan. And yes, he talked to a woman, which both were taboo. Yes, he touched unclean people, lepers. 
Yes, he defended the woman caught in adultery. And yes, his teaching was different than accepted religious leaders. I mean, how many times in Scripture do we hear him say, you say this, but I say? And yes, he called himself the Messiah. In the Gospel of John, when you start reading phrases like, I am the way, the truth, the life, I am the bread of life, that little phrase, I am, is taken from the Hebrew, I am that I am. And what he's doing is a direct reference back to God speaking to Moses when Moses said, tell me who I should say sent me. And God said, I am that I am. And when you read those phrases, you realize why they got so angry because he was calling himself God. But out of the fear of people's opinions, they did not arrest him. And we know they wanted to kill him. And they thought they could, and they thought they did. But Jesus would not stay dead. (laughs) Even when the evidence of his resurrection was in their faces, they refused to believe. They paid some people off to create a different narrative. And these are the very people that were seeking the Messiah. So when we sense the Lord is speaking, what's critical is it must always align itself with God's word. Our emotions are not the rule of God's leading. Our logic is not the rule of God's leading. Our reality must align itself with Jesus. Everything is subject to Jesus, and we must listen, and we must obey. So we have this story about a vineyard. When you look at Isaiah chapter 5, the vineyard in parables refers to Israel. And Israel, God chose and God blessed, was expected to produce fruit. Just before this, there's a text about a fig tree that didn't grow fruit, and, you know, he broke it down. Israel was called the light of the world. They were called to be a blessing to other nations. In other words, other nations were to find Yahweh, find Jehovah. They were put there as a witness nation. They were there to manifest the glory of God. Isaiah says they only produced wild fruit. Here he says they were wicked tenants. And so the story goes, the owner, God, sends servants two times. They're the prophets. Their response was they were beat, killed, and stoned. And and he says, I'm going to send my son because they'll respect him. But listen to the logic of the employees. They say, let's kill him and we'll get his inheritance. I mean, what kind of thinking is that? They don't own the vineyard. But when you don't align yourself with God's word, guess what? You think crazy things. Romans chapter 1, 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And we can see that with the Pharisees. But they didn't know it. Now after the story, Jesus asked a question. So who do you think the owner, what the owner will do when he comes in? And remember... The wicked tenants is Israel. They're the religious leaders. They knew he was talking about them. And they were angry because this was an unfair situation. And they said, well, he's going to put them to death because they're wretched people. And he's going to give the vineyard to another. I mean, they answered the question correctly. I thought this week, isn't it amazing how horrible my sins look when someone else is committing them? And that's what's going on here. You know, there's a story of David and the prophet Nathan, and 
you know, David committed adultery with Bathsheba. She got pregnant. David covered it up, had her husband Uriah sent to the front line of the battle so he'd be killed. And let's face it, when you look at the details of the story, there's a lot of people who knew what was going on. And, and just think about Bathsheba. How did she feel? We don't know. And yet, I think we do have a hint because who does God choose to have the line of Jesus, the line of the Messiah come from? It was Bathsheba. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 1. I think in any case, she really struggled with what happened, but he was king. So Nathan comes along and he tells this very sad story about a poor farmer who had just one little sheep. And that sheep was just like a pet. I mean, they would walk together. They would sleep together. And one day, a very wealthy man decided to have a party. And he took that, one, that man's one sheep and slaughtered it and fed it to his guests. And David is livid. And he says, who is this man? He has to pay. And Nathan looks at him and says, you are that man. Isn't it amazing how horrible sins look, my sins, when someone else is committing them. So Jesus is putting the truth to the religious leaders. He's basically saying, you're the one who will kill me. I mean, quote Psalm 118, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. You may think it's your doing, but no, God has a plan. And isn't it marvelous in your eyes? It's kind of a sarcastic question, isn't it? And he says the kingdom of God is going to be given over to someone else. Who is that? Well, it's you and I. It's called the church. And guess what? There's an expectation of fruit in the church. John 15, verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And let me say two things about this. Number one, because Israel rejected Messiah does not change God's plans. He's still going to redeem humanity, all of humanity. And two, this chief cornerstone that God will build the church on, that not even the gates of hell will be able to tear down. It will break you. In other words, if you fall in it, you're going to be broken, or it will crush you. That's the second death in Revelation. Again, Matthew 21, verse 44, and the one who falls in the stone will be broken. You heard a lot of brokenness this morning, but not crushing. Because once we're in Christ, we will not be crushed. Amen. So let me kind of wrap this up by making three statements. Here's the first. It's based upon this parable. We must accept that Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. And you heard part of that in some testimonies where they said, you know what, I accept him as Savior, but never Lord. I mean, it, it's a package deal. I mean, God's Messiah is Jesus. Our allegiance is to him and him alone. It confirms both forgiveness and restoration. And we need a right cornerstone if we're going to have a right foundation. This is our allegiance. It's all about Jesus. So I just want to stop right here before I go to the other two points, and we'll close out. If you're here this morning and you heard these stories and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to do that this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand because this is a safe place. And we're going to pair somebody up with you and they're going to go back and they're going to help you understand what this means. So I'm going to take a step back so I can see out of the lights. Is there anyone that would like to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior? Just stand to your feet right now. And if I don't see you, yell. <laughs> this is important. 
Number two, we must listen to God's messengers. Who are they today? They're people who preach and teach God's words. We have the written word, and we cannot reject its truth and its guidance. We have to listen to the Spirit because it interprets to us. And, you know, the Spirit and the Word always unite. It never creates division. So what areas of your life are you saying, here's the exception? I I know God says, but... The word confession means saying the same thing as God does. The word confession is aligning ourselves with that confession. So where are you living against your confession with Jesus? You know, the observation I have is that when people defy anything that God has set in place, they end up making all kinds of excuses for the behavior. Real quick story. I had a woman come to my office, not here, another church. So don't think you know who this is. <laughs> and she came in, and she was so happy, and she's a pastor. She goes, God has given me such a wonderful man. And she was older in years, and I thought, yeah, wow, this is kind of cool that she's still this lo- love with her husband. So I said, you know, I said, it's, it's nice that you feel this way about your husband. And she looks at me and says, my husband? She goes, are you kidding? She says, I'm not talking about my husband. No, there's this man I met, and it's God's will that we be together. And I looked at her and I says, uh, excuse me. I says, can I question whether it's God's will? Well, she started crying and she got angry and she stormed out of my office. And then within an hour, I started receiving phone calls from people accusing me of being mean to this dear lady. And how could I do that? And what's wrong with you, pastor? Now, I didn't want to break confidence because she came in and she wanted to talk. So I just said, can you call her back and ask her why she came and what she said? And they did. And then a couple days later, they said, well, we understand what you said, but you could have been nicer about it. (laughs) we got to listen to God's word, people. If you have an exception, got to get rid of that because it will lead you down a path that you don't want to go. And number three, we must steward what God has given us. The tenants, we're not owners. And God, everything is his. Who created this world? He did. He created everything in it, including you. And he understands how to produce fruit. He understands who you are and your gift mix. He made you. You are precious. And everything will be brought before him. And you hear me say this all the time. Everything is gift and privilege. And we must live with grateful minds and hearts and realize that we have the best, most generous boss in the world. But when he transforms us, there's an expectation that transformation will do something in our lives. And we heard that witness this morning. So again, afterwards, celebrate with them. We're going to close this morning with a prayer. I just have found the joy of rote prayers, ancient prayers. And I'm going to share one this morning. We're going to pray it all together. And understand, because it's ancient, some of the English is different than we're accustomed to. Okay? And that's okay. I think you can do that. I can't get this English language right, let alone the other one. So I want you to stand with me and we're going to pray this prayer together. Pray with me. Thou God of all grace, thou hast given me a savior, producing me a faith to live by him, to make him all my desire, all my hope, 
all my glory. May I enter him as my refuge, build on him as my foundation, walk in him as my way, follow him as my God, conform to him as my example, receive his instructions as my prophets, rely on his intercession as my high priests, obey him as my king. My, may thy dear son preserve me from this present evil world so that its smiles never allure, nor its frowns terrify, nor its vices defile, nor its errors delude me. May I feel that I am a stranger and a pilgrim on earth, and whatsoever I do may be done in the Savior's name. Amen. God bless. Remember to greet these people. You're dismissed.